You can have all the Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio podcast with our new app. Just search your app store, uh, Apple, Android, Kindle. We don't care what you use. Search the app store for Explorations Early Learning. Download the app. Give it a try. Cue the accordion. I've always wanted to say that. Kick back and get comfy while hosts Heather Winnig and her co-hosts from the Early Childhood Nerd Collective explore ways to cause and effect. Dig that funky accordion. Hey, welcome to Cause and Effect. This is Heather Winnig. I'm that early childhood nerd. And on this episode, I'm joined by Aaron Ramsey. Aaron, say hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Aaron, will you tell them a little bit about yourself, what you want them to know? Sure. First, how fun, Heather. I'm so glad to be on with you. I know. And I'm so glad that our paths crossed. So this is yeah. um, really an honor yeah. to be on this. Uh, thanks for representing early childhood so well. <laughs> well, as you know, I feel strongly about it. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's half the battle, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, a little bit about myself. I have been in the early childhood field for probably over 25 years now. And I started my career as a family child care provider for years and taught three, four, and five-year-olds for years. Um, and then went into some administration work with child care resource and referral and then did some public relations for our quality rating system in Indiana. Um, and then manage some Title I preschools in the public school system. And so we don't have to go through the whole resume. But what, um, what I'm most excited about now in my career is empowering teachers um, to really understand their own impact and what that means for themselves, for their families, but especially their work in early childhood education. And so part of that is my book and my workshops that I do um, really for us as people and what that means for the next generation and how we treat them and how we help uh, grow together. Awesome. So I'm going to talk about your book for just a second. Um, okay. So if you need to look away, you know, <laughs> if it's embarrassing. Yeah. But no. So um, for the for the listeners, Aaron and I have known each other a long time and then sort of didn't see each other for a while. And now paths have crossed again in the last few years. And um, she wrote a book called Be Amazing, Tools for Living Inspired. Is that right? Suddenly I was like, wait, maybe that's not the real name. <laughs> you got it. You yeah. got it. Um, and I'm not usually like a self-help book kind of person. Um, but I, I heard you speak, Aaron, at a conference, and um, it was beautiful, and it made so much sense, and it made me want to share it with everyone. So I bought the book, and it's really wonderful. Um, not too long, so you're not like committing to a year of your life to get through this book, but every bit of it was meaningful to me, and so I thank you for that. Um, and everyone should check it out. <laughs> But would you, are you comfortable talking a little bit about the teacher version that you're working on of the sure. book? Yeah. 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 Well, just to give everybody just a little premise, well, one, that, that almost made me tear up, Heather. That would be nice. <laughs> and you know what? My book really is intended not to be another to-do on everybody's nightstand, but rather just a little pocket guide to keep us on track as as um, women mostly, yeah. but men too. Um, if we have so, to invite them in, we can yeah, invite I them guess. in. Yeah, my husband's a big fan, but I think that's about it. <laughs> um, 
So in the book, there's six choices um, because, you know, we get to choose how we live and how we teach and what profession we choose. And so the first one is really about creating joy, practicing courage, living in gratitude, um, living, being present and um Oh my god! Oh, compassion, being <laughs> compassionate. This whole Skype podcasting—it's got my got my marbles loose. But so what? What I did was create tools for each of the choices, and now I'm going to transfer that into directly in for leaders in early childhood, and then have companion guides for the teachers and staff in early childhood and elementary ed settings, so that we can align our choices and our actions with what we're doing to really promote the well-being. Um, and joyful learning for ourselves as adults as well as for the kids that we're influencing and their families. Yeah. Because I don't, frankly, think we can do it for the kids if we're not doing it for ourselves. You know, it's, you know, they, we, it's, it's, it's that whole self-care, you can't pour from an empty vessel, all that um, all that stuff that, that has been a big part of my life in the last couple of years. Um, so we do have a quote. Um, the po- folks who are listening know we usually start with a quote. So our quote to talk that Aaron and I are going to talk about is pretty simple. Um, but, uh, but I think we're going to get a good lot of, of discussion out of this. So the quote is happiness is the journey, not the destination. And, um, sometimes I sort of send quotes out to people and ask if they want to talk about it, but this one you chose. So, um, what, what prompted you to, to say, this is the one you wanted to do today? Yeah, well, this quote has stuck with me for so long. Um, I had a little index card on my mirror when I in my college apartment that said that because me personally and a lot of people I know and in early childhood, people who are givers and achievers, sometimes forget to stay in the moment and like enjoy the whole thing of everything that we're living. It's always, um, you know, the next thing when we graduate, when we get the job, when we get paid. And then as I started to mature, I realized that it really just comes down to learning how to be present and how do we do that. And then when I transfer that into my professional life, after I started to get better at it at home and really became the mom that I wanted to be for a long time and the spouse and the friend that I wanted to be, it really came down to that, that we don't have to keep rushing to this end thing when really the moment is all we have and we need to enjoy the now, even when the now is hard. And so um, for teachers, I picked it for this podcast because if you think about the very best teachers that you've had or the best teachers that you've worked with, or maybe you are a rocking teacher, (laughs) uh, you really are about right now. You're right in the moment. Um, You know, think about a good friend who's right there with you or think about something that you learned that was really hard and the teacher was with you right where meeting you right where you are and then building on it. You cannot do that. You cannot scaffold. You cannot create joy. All these buzzwords that's in our field (laughs) right now unless we can enjoy now and then not be so focused. When you think about the teachers and all the child care programs and schools that I've been in, um, the worst case scenario is when everybody's watching their watch, you know, hurry up, go to the bathroom, get snack, get the cots, go outside, come inside, and nobody's really looking about what's happening right then. Yeah. Um, or even just looking at what's next on the schedule. And even if you're sitting right there, you know, on their level doing everything you think you're supposed to be doing, if what you're thinking about is cleaning up so we can get cots out for nap time, then you're missing what's going on right there. I think that 
um, and I use this, I, I say this a lot to the teachers that I'm working with now, um, I think not being able to be present is one of the biggest reasons that we burn out because we're always looking at what we want our classroom to be eventually or what we want this child to be doing eventually instead of just sitting and seeing what they're capable of now and the joy that can be in that moment. Um, so do you have tips for shifting your thinking if you're a clock watcher? Yeah, it's even <laughs> it's even more than a clock watcher. It's really just, I mean, clock watching is an indication yeah. that, that you're probably not practicing presence. But um, it really is about the way that we choose to live in, in all, all the realms of our life. Um, and and to learn how to be present, the, I, I have a lot of tips, and I'll give good. I'll give the list a few. And I, I'm still not good at this. I mean, this <laughs> is a work in progress. So I don't want anybody to think I'm a guru or enlightened or have this perfected by any stretch. Stretch. But my new thing now is always what I say is it's not how often we get off the track we want to be on. It's the tools to get back on as fast as you possibly can. Yeah. So if you are a clock watcher, you're going to do that. If you're addicted to stress, you know, you're going to get back in a stressful time. If you're, you know, have your ego attached to your achievements and all the destinations that you set for yourself, then you can get some tools to interrupt it. So one of the one of my favorite things that I've been using a lot lately um, is that everything is a process. So I have a few of my favorite mantras because mantras are just like slogans or sayings that you can use in your mind to coach yourself. And um, you keep them top of mind so that when you start to feel that clock watching or that stress like hamster running on a wheel or worried about, you know, the lunch getting cold or um, you know, them finishing or that toddler shoving that last piece of the puzzle in and you're stopping yourself from doing it, right? <laughs> yeah. Those things. Um, so the my my favorite ones are is everything is a process. And it and it really aligns beautifully with early childhood. My whole career you've yeah. always heard it's the process, not the product. Same with our actions. You know, it's not just about a painting um, for a child, but it's really about the, the way that we're interacting. So everything is a process, and that helps me slow it down. Like, okay, yeah, you know, we'll get our coats on. We'll get out there. We're just all in the process. You know, we have a lot of things going on right now. We can be together. We could work through it, um, whether it's at work or at home. The other one that I just love that helps me a lot is that the universe conspires in my favor. That's also right. mine. Open. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Kind of putting her arms up. I'm like, oh, you want to do the open arms one? No, no. <laughs> but I was just celebrating that mantra because I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it liberating? Yes. And, you know, that's for early childhood educators. I mean, that's an important one. Whatever, whatever you call the universe or whatever want to plug in there is fine but to know that we're all everything is working in our favor even when it doesn't feel like it mm -hmm. that's how you're going to create more joy in your life and that's how you're really going to create more joy for the children in your care is um, to know that there's an inner peace that you can be in the moment that you can get through it and that everything's going to work out okay and that everything is a process is just um, really life-changing yeah I and that's so. um yeah have you used it heather what, what are you oh. using yours for um, I, the universe conspires in my favor. I use it as a reminder sometimes after the fact, like when something happens and I sort of just blow by it. And then I think, wait, that was an amazing thing that just happened. Yes. yes. <laughs> and then, uh, and you know, also, so, you know, my daughter, Josie, um, she will yeah. text it to me sometimes just like out of the blue as a reminder. Um, so for me, it's, not so much. Well, sometimes it's like in a tense moment, 
I, I'll, I'll use it to slow myself down. But usually it's for me, it's more of a reminder, like identifying that what just happened was the universe conspiring in my favor. And yeah, so it, blows, it blows my mind. And, you know, how how could I possibly be, you know, grouchy or pessimistic or well, I can be grouchy, but pessimistic, we'll say yeah. um, or or down for too long when the universe conspires in my favor. <laughs> totally, totally. Like, yeah, so, you know, we can use that mantra for everything because, one, it creates joy when you start thinking, oh, there's abundance out there for me and there's abundance for all these kids in my care. Yeah. Um, and then you can use it in your way about, you know, the, the gratitude of, mm-hmm. okay, that was really a moment. Right. Or that right. there's more moments coming. Yeah. Um, the other, I really want to reiterate that, you know, people think that happiness is the journey and not the destination or that we're in a mindfulness movement in our country, mm-hmm. but it takes serious practice. I mean, this isn't just something you go to work tomorrow and say, yes, I'm going to be present for all my toddlers because I love them so much. And <laughs> I know that everything's new through their eyes. You know, it really is. Um, you need the strategies and the tools to really make it happen because you're actually coaching yourself. It's a new way of living. Um, so another tip I have is to use your body to manage your mind. Um, so sometimes, you know, we think we have to use our mind to manage our body, whether it's to exercise or to be fit or eat healthy, but it really, we can use it the other way around. And so if I start feeling too stressed and out of the moment, the minute you start feeling super stressed and worried, you're out of the moment. Right. Right. So I will. And when we're stressed and out of the moment, we're constricted, which means we're less open to all the possibilities. And we know that young kids have so many possibilities mm-hmm. and we don't want to be the one to rain on that parade. Right. right. So uh, one thing I do is just if I'm starting to feel constricted, I did this a lot when I was working directly with children is I would just or adults even I would just stand up or walk outside if I was able to or sometimes just sit, you know, even at circle time, teach your kids this and just open your arms as wide as you can just straight out to your sides with your palms up because then you're you're opening up your whole heart center and then right there you're immediately more present you're uh-huh. less constricted you're in the moment it's free easy to do and teach the kids <laughs> how to do it too yeah. right I mean, if, if they're if they have their arms wide open and they're stretching and knowing that they want to stay open they're not going to be you know beating on each other or yeah. throwing stuff right yeah um and then a couple other ones I like to do, especially if I'm feeling frustrated or angry or annoyed at another person, whether it's an adult or a child, is if you just put both of your hands over your heart, um, just place them there and you can even feel your heart beating and that immediately will bring you back to the moment. And for me, it even brings me back to my core. You know, early childhood educators are not in this for many more reasons than love. Hopefully, right? right? It's Most times of we, them, yeah. Yeah. You know, and if you're not, then maybe it's not for you. But to be a really good teacher, you know, you got to let that be the driving force. And so just placing your hands on your heart will help you um, be there. And then another mantra that I use a lot, especially when I'm trying to listen and pay attention, is this is the moment I have and this is the person I love. Or this is the moment I have and this is the person I care about. Or this this is the moment I have committed to. If you're working with a parent that you're having a challenge with or a child you're having a challenge with, you might not be feeling love, but you're there and you need to be committed. So even if you just say, I'm committed, this is the moment, uh, you're automatically going to get more present. Yeah, I like that one. Um, 
so I've been thinking a lot uh, and am getting ready to do a training for some teachers about um, when children's behavior challenges us and how to keep ourselves uh, calm in that moment. You know, it's okay to process whatever feelings you've got, the frustration or the stress or the um, whatever it is, that feeling of, of failure even sometimes. Um, but that that last mantra would be, I think, really helpful in that situation when you're 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 having to deal with you know whatever mistake this child in front of you just made, um, and reminding yourself this is the moment I have with this child, instead of this is the seventeenth time I've had to do this. Maybe just this is the moment I have with him right now. I need to be I need to be here and commit to it. I think I think that's a good one. Yeah. The other one that I have outlined in the book that is going to transfer heavily over into the teacher's book is, this is really gauged towards adults just in general, is to be interested, not interesting. And I think that we get confused because we start, you know, getting our ego attached to our work too much, like feeling like a failure or feeling like you're great or feeling like somebody should be doing something different than you're doing it or wherever your mind starts playing tricks on you about the way that we operate. Um, so be be interested is really about being curious. And so sometimes when kids are acting up or even your own children at home, if you're raising teenagers that are, you know, challenging you or relationships that are challenging you or working with young kids is, you know, I wonder why this is happening. You know, it's not you and you're something wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with the other person. It's just happening and what's the situation. And when you can look at happiness as the journey and get present, you can step back out of it and maybe see it in new ways, you know, and be less reactionary. Yeah, Yeah. we've talked a lot in previous episodes about adults and curiosity and have we sort of squashed it out of ourselves (laughs) and how do you get back to it? Um, So that's just that simple shift from I can't believe this is happening to I wonder why this is happening can be yeah. powerful. Um, yeah. And just that reframing. I'm, I'm also a big believer in the power of words and I, I you are too, I would guess, since we're talking about mantras here and right. mantras are words, but you know, the words we use will determine how we act and, and how we respond to things. So if we can sort of train ourselves to use different language, um, then I think that can be a step towards this this presence and, and being more mindful. Um, yeah. And even if it doesn't feel natural at first, like I used to, and sometimes even now I still do, I'm like, oh, my gosh, just be quiet, Erin, you know, or this is ridiculous. What do you think you are, Pollyanna, you know, when, when your ego starts taking yes. over? Yeah. Uh, but the more you practice, yeah. the more natural it becomes. And then you, as a person in your behavior, actually starts to change. Yeah. And it's way better than walking around being the stressed out, rushing, negative, borderline mean person. Being mean and you don't even know you're being exactly. mean. Exactly. The- yeah. It's not like an intentional meanness. It's just oh. kind of a default setting sometimes. Yeah. When I look back, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I behaved in such a way, you know, because I was just so out of the moment. Yeah, yeah. So I love the the idea of having to practice this as a skill. Um, so I'm going to just throw out to folks who are listening, because I always try to, um, you know, pull it back into what can you do with this information now. Um, but think about something that, that you've had to learn as an adult. So I teach knitting and weaving classes. Um 
And some people come into that and are so frustrated because they don't have everything they need at the end of those two hours. Some people come into it and say, when are you here again so I can come back and practice with you some more? Um, And certainly when I first was like learning to knit, it took forever and it took me finding other people really. To, to develop it as a skill. So I think if if we as adults who are working with children can stop and think about something we've had to learn and think about what our process was and did it come right away, if it did, bless your heart, but it probably didn't. Um, and how long did you have to practice and were there some failures um, so that you're not beating yourself up if you get to the end of the day and realize that you weren't present and mindful and that you let go of those mantras you made that good resolution to use (laughs) when you came in in the morning Um, yeah so just just reflecting on other skills that you've learned and practiced I think and bringing that back to the stuff you're talking about and the tips you're giving Um, yeah you know we don't really we'll never we don't need to be perfect nor do we want to be perfect that's the beauty of being human boring yeah and and the worst thing you can walk away with this is say oh i'm not good at being present i tried it i can't do it i failed again but rather knowing that not only is everything a process we are a part of everything so we're in process too yeah Uh, when we can give that to ourselves then we can really give that to children Uh and I, i i love that phrase giving it to we can give that to ourselves I'm writing it down. Sorry. I, I'm also taking your workshop while we have this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Learning from you and taking notes. Um, so, sorry, now I have to look at what I wanted to talk about because um, I've been just jotting things down as you're talking. Just, um, I, I like to, all, a piece of advice I also give to teachers sometimes is if you're feeling, um, frustrated or you find that you're watching the clock and it's one of those days that you just can't wait to get home that's the time to sit down observe a child and just write down everything you see that they're doing and then when you could look at that you see the magic that you get to be part of every day because it may be the 17th time that day that you've seen a child build the block tower mm-hmm. but when you're in the moment with that specific child watching all the stuff that, you know, that's their brain working and their muscles are working and there's some collaboration maybe going. And that's magic that you get to be part of every day that you miss right. if you don't make yourself slow down sometimes. And, and it's that intentional stop sometimes to make that's yourself That's exactly right. It, it, you're so right, Heather, because it really is one of the best gifts you could give yourselves. I'll read you just a little thing about, there's a little excerpt in my book about my son and how I would rush to everybody all the time. And then one day I was really trying to practice being present and I looked over and saw his face and he was smiling and almost glowing like he was whole face smiled. And I thought, oh my gosh, I would have missed that if I wasn't trying to coach myself not to be like this taskmaster, stressed out mom. And so this is what I wrote because what you just said is exactly this. Presence allows us to see the beauty in others, to feel the connections all around us. It is truly the greatest gift we can give to ourselves. Yeah. I love that story. I've I've heard that. I've heard you tell it. I've read it. And today's my son's birthday, so I'm like all mushy oh, about my son today and today. So I'm like, oh, I want to go like look at my boy's face. face. How old is he? <laughs> 24. Oh, geez. Yeah. yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. So, yeah. and he hates birthday attention. So I guess his birthday will be long past by the time this comes out and no one will. <laughs> Yeah, we can celebrate them in our own way, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
so I'm all off track now. I have a little note. This is way off topic, but I made a little note a little bit ago. You said you're not a guru. And for a minute, I thought you said you weren't a goober. And I was like, yeah, I am a goober. <laughs> I know. I was going to take issue, but you said yeah. guru. So if anyone else thought that she said goober. <laughs> no, I am a goober. I'll admit that. Uh, that's one of your best qualities. <laughs> Thanks. I yeah, appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so what, what else is important to you as you're thinking about this that you want people to, to hear? Well, I think whenever I have a chance, you know, I mean, I work all over the country with thousands and thousands of people, mostly early childhood, but a lot aren't early childhood. And I think one of the most important things I would want to share in this context with you, Heather, is to remind everybody, including myself, who are representing children and families in our country, that um, one, thank you, because the work is just so, so, so important. Um, and I know that no one gets paid enough, and I know everybody works really hard, but it is a choice that we all have made for our careers and in our in our contributions for our time on Earth. And so with that comes great responsibility mm-hmm. that, you know, we have to step up and we have to shine bright um, to light the way for others, especially young children, and that joy and scaffolding and all these buzzwords are are something that has to come from inside of us so that we can free up our children to really reach their fullest potential. So while I have complete gratitude, I also have a sense of urgency for everybody listening. The moment is now. The moment is now, and it is our responsibility um, to ourselves and to our children to um, take care of ourselves and be professional, Mm -hmm. uh, be educated, and not give a lot of excuses um, for not doing what's the very, very best thing we can do for our children. Yeah, I I sort of, until the last couple of years, just thought that reflection was a skill that everybody had and could engage in. And I'm learning more and more that it's it's not always the case, that some people really, again, need to practice that skill. Um, uh-huh. And I think that's a piece of this mindfulness, too, is being able to then, you're in the moment. But then you sort of process the moment when you have time. You know what I mean? Like you can go back and process what you saw in that moment. And um, uh, maybe that sort of strengthens your resolve when you see, when you've had some time to think about the difference it made in your day or um, the magic that you got to see because you slowed yourself down. Um, But I, so I just met yesterday with some teachers who are brand new and we were doing like orientation stuff. And, um, so they get a lot of really boring stuff and then they get Heather preaching at them for a while. (laughs) I don't know exactly like what kind of whiplash that might be, but, um, um, but I, I, and I think this fits what we've been talking about. One thing I always say to anyone who's working with children, um, in that sort of a context is the child's quality of life matters at every moment that they're with us. It's not just was it a good quality circle time or, you know, were was it were they warm enough when they're outside, whatever those things are. But I'm concerned about the quality of their life when they're washing their hands for the 16th time that day. And when they ask to go to the bathroom and you get them to the bathroom and they don't really go. And then they ask again in five minutes, you know, that kind of stuff. And I I feel like that's a, a place for mindfulness and presence, too, is it may be the 17th time that you've helped someone today, but it might you know, it's still a big part of that little tiny person's day. 
Totally. And the quality of life is as important in any of those moments. No, yeah, all cry. of them. <laughs> I'm going to cry. I, I, I myself. Four times. We're goobers. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, though, it really it really comes down to, for myself, and I hope you and, and other people, is to remember our impact. Yeah. You know, sometimes we come into this field as, well, we do, most of us come in as nurturers and being willing to give and care for and love and have a calling. And sometimes we lose ourselves in all of that. And then when we lose ourselves, we get exhausted, we're depleted, we got the empty tank, you know, the empty vessel, all of that, that we actually forget the impact that we have. We start to feel unimportant, we feel disrespected in one way or another, or just plain exhausted. And so anything that you can do to fill up your tank and understand, you know, how hard your job is and how much is demanded upon you and how much responsibility you have but that what you do really, really, really matters. I mean, there's really, I can't think of many other professions that have the type of impact that early childhood does. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And I think we're also, because we're nurturers and carers, we're also really, we also really struggle with anything that feels selfish. So Mm -hmm. even though that self-care is so important, we can give a million reasons not to do it because we're here for others and that's really hard. So do you have favorite tank fillers or things to do to replenish your spirit when you're oh feeling gosh, you've seen all the pictures i can tell she, you four days about what i did knowingly yeah the other choice of the book that i forgot in the beginning because i'm so happy to see heather here on this skype call um, i know isn't it exciting to see it's so fun i can do this all day long everybody's like oh no cut it off Aaron. Um, the first choice actually in, in Be Amazing is to embrace self-consideration. And it really is talking about um, not self-assessment, not self-judgment, but actually considering yourself as you would a friend or somebody that you love dearly. So I have all kinds of tips in the book, um, but a lot of what I do are just simple everyday things, you know, good hand lotion, a nice smelly soap, a hot bath, my silky soft jammies. I mean, I and Heather's laughing because she's seen my PowerPoint. I have like three slides of all these pictures right. of things I love. The underwear that, don't that fits. Cost right? <laughs> the underwear you know? that fits. Yeah, the underwear <laughs> that fits, no holes in your bra. You know, I often tell the story how I would go buy my kids whatever they needed, you know, which I still would. Uh-huh. And if I had enough money, I would like stand and agonize over like the four ninety nine smelly markers. But if my daughter asked for them, I would have bought them for her, you know. Yes. Then I often think, why am I walking around with holes in my underwear and ripped bras? And this is ridiculous. But really, what it comes down to is not money. What it came down to is the point of considering myself. Yeah. I would never let my daughter walk around in holy underwear. Right. Why am I doing that? Yeah. You know. And so it's a paradigm shift, and it takes practice. It really takes practice because initially us nurturers and caregivers are thinking, oh, no, I don't deserve that. You know, we don't have enough. They need it more than I do when the exact opposite is true. So as it starts to feel selfish at first, you actually get – you're able to give more to others when you start really considering how you're feeling. And it even talks about how you can express yourself in ways that don't compromise what your true feelings are. and stuff so there's a lot of fun ideas in the book yeah um okay so i'm gonna uh let you plug a little bit here we've talked about the book title what's your like website blog facebook where are you where can people find you yeah 
Yeah, your best bet probably is to go to my website, which is AaronRamsey.com. And then on social media, all Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook is Aaron Ramsey Joy. And I'm most active on Facebook. I'm trying Twitter. Yeah, I'm old school. Well, I'm Twitter, trying. Twitter is weird. <laughs> I do try to post every day just to keep myself on track. Um, you know, and then I do all kinds of workshops, trainings all over the country. If you're interested, lately the high demand one is the keynote called "From Stress to Joyful." Uh-huh. Uh, I've been doing a lot of that for early childhood conferences, leadership conferences, so that. People can get in a state of optimism and joy, even when life is hard. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, any last things you want to share? Anything you wanted to get to that I haven't asked you about? Because I think we're about at just yeah. about 40 minutes, I think. Just about 35. That doesn't feel like we've been talking that long. Oh, my gosh. We could be here all day. <laughs> we have day jobs, you know. <laughs> so do the listeners. That's what I'm always worried about. Is exactly. like a- Right. No, I think we covered it. I'm I'm honored to um, be here with you. I'm really proud of you, oh, and you. I want to thank everybody that's listening for everything that you're doing for our country. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thanks, Aaron. It was great to talk to you, um, and thanks everybody for listening. It's been another episode of Cause and Effect. I hope you'll join us again next week. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production.